podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. You are always awake, but you are not always consciously awake. In fact, you are rarely consciously awake. And because you've been unconsciously awake for thousands of years in the DNA and softer conditioning associated with the body you thought you were, you will fall right back into unconsciousness if you don't consistently and actively nourish it with conscious light. You have to be willing to shine truth even when you don't feel like yourself, even when you don't want to on things you'd rather leave in the dark. You must hold nothing back. Willingness is your bridge into being the shiny on an ongoing basis. You give yourself to the light fully or you don't give yourself at all. This was written by Fred Davis in the book of Undoing, Direct Pointing to Non-Dual Awareness. In this episode, Fred Davis talks about spiritual awakening, non-dual reality, love, and more. Fred Davis is a spiritual un-teacher. He studied and practiced Eastern wisdom for 25 years prior 2006, when seeking ended and his true awakening begun. He is the creator and editor of AwakeningClarityNow.com. Fred Davis says he has nothing to offer. He is also the author of five books, including the non-dual bestsellers Awaken Now, The Living Method of Spiritual Awakening, The Book of Undoing, Direct Pointing to Non-Dual Awareness, and Beyond Recovery, Non-Duality and the Twelve Steps. Fred's The Living Method of Spiritual Awakening is a process of non-dual inquiry, investigation, and direct pointing that encourages immediate recognition and acceptance of our shared true nature, oneness. Here is the interview with Fred Davis. In your own words, who are you? Uh, I'm a whiteness itself. I am that which is prior to consciousness. We actually can't talk about what I am because I don't know what I am. What I do know is that I 
the, the only thing I really know is, is that there's a sense of being. Right now, there's a sense of existence here, just as there is for you. Is that correct? Yes. Oh, yes. So there's a sense of existence. Now, this sense of existence, when I check, I can't find an owner to it. Can you? No. No, I cannot. So you can't. There's just this sense of existence. And what I want you to notice is this actually undercuts most of non-duality because most of most non-dual teachings are all about I am. And if you ask a non-dualist, tell me what's the one thing you know, if you don't know anything else, they'll say, I know that I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I have to <laughs> say at that point that they know more than I do, because what all I can, I'm not saying that I'm not. What I'm saying is that the only thing I can actually report is that there is a sense of being and I can't find an owner to it. Now, let me jump off the heavy non-dual and go to something more talkable. So on a, on a, on a, um, on a dualistic level, it's slightly dualistic. I'm oneness. I am, I am it. There's nothing other than me. And you can say that too, and you'll be right. And you're in anybody that's listening to this, they can also say, I am it. And it will be, that will be true because there's only it. And there's nothing that comes to know it other than it. Is this, is, are you following me? Yes. When you say oneness and you say it. So it is now you are becoming something. Yeah. Or we are becoming something. Can you describe that oneness, that one thing that exists? The only thing that could describe it is it. Oneness is, I mean, the only thing that can describe oneness is oneness. And the only way I know to describe oneness is to say that there's just one thing. There's just one thing. There's, there's, I know that there are, are, there's no separation whatsoever. There's the appearance of separation. When I say oneness, I mean that everything on the planet and, and actually in the universe is, it's not just that it's connected. It's just one thing. It's just like if, if I were to wave the hand, my hands, which I'm waving my hands through the air right now. And when I do so, I'm sort of waving my hands through your body or my body or anybody's body, because space is really the body of God. Hmm. Oh. Interesting. You mentioned the word God. Who is God? Well, what do you understand by God? Uh, I, I don't really understand anything about God. It's a word, um, and and that's a phrase that I sometimes use. It's nice shorthand. It's easier to say God than it is, you know, that thing that's all, you know, that that that, that it's omnipotent and omniscient and and uh, and omnipresent and all of that. It's just easier to use the sh the shorthand God. But there's no, what you are is actually prior to God, and I would say that God and oneness are synonyms. They are the very same thing because you are that which is prior to God. But your experience, just in the same way that there's no Valeria, but there's the Valeria experience. And that's what you're noticing is that in post-awakening is that we all thought that what was going to happen when we woke up was that the personality was just going to drop right. away. Yeah. yeah. But we notice it doesn't. Right. Isn't, that, isn't that right? 
So there's still a story of Fred that's being lived over here. There's Fred Davis, the teacher, um, and all of that. But in truth, there's no separation. See, here's the way I like to put it, is that Fred Davis, back when I believed in it, Fred Davis was very, very keen on coming to understand the truth of the universe. He was driven. I mean, for, for I was on the seeking trail for 24 years. I didn't get this easily. At the end of, of 24 years, what happened was not that Fred Davis came to understand the truth of reality, but the truth of reality came to understand the fiction of Fred Davis instead. What was the catalyst for that? Um, well, it was in 2006, and there was a tremendous amount of suffering here. And um, I had been doing really, 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 really deep study and practice and all this. And But what happened when it actually happened was that I was walking down my stairs, and I, and I, and I stopped and sat down on the stairs, and I read a, a line from a book. And the book it was... Um, Pointers from Nisargadatta, and it's written by Ramesh Balsakar, one of his disciples. And the question he asked was, when everything else is gone, what's, what remains? And instead of me just going, boy, that's a great pointer, I sort of understand that, I sort of get that, I actually stopped and began to go through. Okay, so let's see if, if, um, if I didn't have this body, if I didn't have a home, if I didn't have um, uh, any friends, I didn't have anybody or anything, what would be left? And then it, it, it struck me out of the, it went, and I went, I recognized that the one thing that remained was attention. <laughs> Just the, the, is that the experience of attention remained. And I went, Oh no, not this thing! Because what? Because the, the joke is the seeker is the salt. Is that the one? What as Saint Francis of Assisi said, "What you're looking with is what you're looking for." So, <clears throat> I sat down in a chair, and uh, there was something turned in my head about the size of a BB, and it turned 180 degrees, and it locked open, and when it did, it. You know, it just felt like the top of my head exploded. Now, understand something. I believe that I was a long way from actually awakening because I've seen this kind of explosive awakening many, many times. It's occurred at, in response to my questions. But, it, but now it doesn't usually, it doesn't have to. You don't need that. That's really a dualistic experience that's remembered by the unit as being, that's what awakening is. That's what enlightenment was. I <laughs> yeah. Right. And, it's, yeah. And, 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 there, and we come in and we want to own that. But the thing that wants to, what happens is when we go to close our fingers around it, we just, it just squeezes out between our fingers. You can't hold this. You can't remember actually awakening because there was no Valeria or Fred there. Awakeness woke up to awakeness. And what it woke up to, when the way that it woke up was it woke up to, to the recognition that, oh, just as exactly as you said, there's, there's no Fred here and there never was. 
There's just, and in the absence of a Fred, and it's what is left? Well, in the absence of a Fred, whatever it is that this, this attention over here and the consciousness that goes with this attention, what I notice is in the absence of a Fred, there's just this. And when I say this, we could capitalize it if we wanted to, because it's there's just this, but what is this? It doesn't, I don't really care what it is because I don't know what I am and I don't know what's going on. See, I'm, I'm no smarter than my, my, than my idol Socrates. And Socrates was, there was a, a bunch of people in Athens came to Socrates and they said, we have heard through um, the oracle at Delphi that you, you are the smartest man and the wisest man in Athens. Is that true? And Socrates' answer was, Socrates is the wisest man in Athens? No, 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 no. He said, that's not possible because Socrates doesn't know anything and all of you know so much. And so the, this is what I do is not really a teaching. It's an unteaching. It doesn't bring you something new. It pulls away all the, everything you think you know. We just go after every assumption, every major assumption in your life. And we just tear it up. It's like neti neti, but on steroids. And uh, I've been waking up people daily for seven years and, uh, and it never ceases to amaze me when they wake up. I mean, I have somebody that wakes up with me pretty much every weekday, and yet I'm surprised every time. Because I can't see how anybody, it used to be when I first woke up, I thought, well, wow, this is so obvious. How could anybody miss this? And I yes. bet you've had that feeling yes. as well. I mean, yeah. huh? Yes. It's the most right. obvious thing in the world once you see it. <laughs> once you see it, right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not until you do. So I'll, I'll pause here and let you let you get a word in. Yeah. So what changed then after the awakening? Yeah, quotes and quotes. Yeah. Okay. That's so. That's a great question. So I want to tell you that there was that that I had that great sense of expansiveness and everything that lasted uh, it began to wind down over about a two-week period but before the two weeks had kicked in fred was already in other words ego i had just seen that there was no fred but ego begins to rebuild and the first way it starts to rebuild is to try to claim the awakening so what changed at first was disappointing to fred because Fred had thought there was going to be this big bang awakening and I was going to be clear as a bell and understand everything. And I could just move Ramana Maharshi off the stage. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> right? Because I got something right. here. <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, you, you can see the natural right. arrogance here that my first thought upon awakening was, who would have never got here? <laughs> wow. So... <clears throat> So even in the midst of non-dual awakening, ego is still present, and and it just came up as just conditioning. There was no Fred there. It's just conditioning. So what changed at first was that I had been in so much, so much pain, 
And I noticed now that all the problems that I had hoped would go away, I'd heard they wouldn't, but I just thought I was a special one and that my problems would go away when I woke up. And, and I noticed that they didn't. And there was a, and there was almost a disappointment. And then immediately after that there, I did notice, Oh, I see the problems didn't go away, but they are Fred's. They're not mine. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any problems at all. That's the reason I told you when we first said hello that, you know, well, I'm doing fine, but that's the usual the way of it over here. Because um, uh, there are, th- th- there's not, well, there's a pretty good life over here, to be honest with you. It's very close to ideal, but it wasn't always that way. It was most of the time I had in, in post-awakening, I was struggling with big challenges. I was poor. I was um, just, Everything was, uh, it was a black world. So even in post-awakening, it was a black world, but it wasn't my black world. It was Fred's. My world was just fine, but I could see that Fred was, that, that when I say when I see that Fred, I'm referring to an imaginary character. What I could see is that all of Fred and all of Fredness and all of those problems and all of those uh, challenges and excitements and everything else that it was all imaginary that it was that it was much ado about nothing that there that that at heart let's see, here's the way that I use to explain it sometimes is that <clears throat> there's a hurricane Fred you know how we do with hurricanes we name them. <laughs> yes. so there's like hurricane Fred which means that there are all these layers of drama I mean thunder and lightning and flood and rain and and all of this and we think we just every human being feels like at the very center of that hurricane the real essence of fred must be the really really the core thing must be but just like a hurricane as you move toward the core it it does get the hurricane is experienced as being stronger but when you break into the eye itself there's only an absence of storm. And as you go through, as, as, as I went through I awakeness, as I began to see my way through that storm, then in the center, I discovered nothing. And I mean, but I don't mean nothing, nothing. I mean, no thing. In other words, we take being and, um, and everything else, and we take that and we turn it into a very, very subtle noun. And I want to know being. Well, there's no one to say that but being. So it's being that wakes up to itself. There's nothing in the center. There are patterns over here, and there's Fredness over here, and there's Valerianess over there. There are repetitive, um, recognizable patterns that go on every day. Because it feels you've got a life going on over there. You've got this podcast. You've got a lot going on. And um, I have an international teaching. And it's and I, trust me, this thing, the, this story is very, very busy. Yeah, the story is very busy, right? <laughs> so true. I never move. And, and nothing ever rattles me. It can't because there's nothing but me. And the recognition that the content 
we, we put all of our attention on the content of every arising, no matter whether it's a, uh, a, a good thing or a bad thing, we're all wrapped up in it. How is this for me? And we're all wrapped up in the content, but it's not about the content. It's about who is actually experiencing this so-called content. It's not Valeria. It's not Fred. Your core dream, this is not Valeria's dream or Fred's dream. Fred and Valeria are the dream. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's and and but when we wake up, um, we tend to go a, 180 degrees, which is, in other words, and a lot of non-dual teachings do this and stop there, which is, okay, I'm just the vastness. Oh, this is great. I had thought I was this little guy, and now, and it was miserable, and now I find out the vastness and everything is good, and I guess everything's going to go my way now. And then what happens is when we go, when we shift from one side of the yin-yang to the other, we're still experiencing half the truth but no more than half. We were experiencing relativity, and now our experience becomes the non, the absolute. But the thing is, is that becoming the, if you just identify with the absolute, you're going to notice that suffering is going to come back. Because although there is no Fred, I can notice that a good story had by Fred is better than a bad story. So there is... We have to come to accept both. It's not that you are either the relative or the absolute. It's not that you are either either the little woman or the vastness. You're both simultaneously. And that notice that non-duality excludes nothing. It includes everything and excludes nothing, which means that we are able to hold both views at the same time. So I can, this body can function as Fredness and do what it's supposed to do and meet Valeria at a certain time, but I'm, but I'm not this body. I mean, I, I am oneness, so I can't say I'm not this body, but I'm not limited to this body. Yeah? That makes sense. Yeah. Can't ignore, we can't ignore the relative and, and think that that's, the, that that's actual non-duality. It's not. It's absolutism. And it's widely practiced, but there are a lot of miserable people who practice it. Right. Yeah, I don't see the point of going from one extreme to another, the opposites. Yeah, the idea so is to be in the middle. Everything. It includes everything. Well, I, I have I a, like, a like yin-yang yeah. symbol around right. like a coaster. And I talk about and I point out how you shift from one side, of, from the black side of the yin-yang to the white, and that you're still on just the other half of the circle. You're still experiencing just half. And I turn it over and show the back of the coaster, which is blank. And I say, you're not either or, you're oneness, you're both, you're everything. Nisargadatta said that, mm. Nisargadatta Maharaj, who's my favorite guru, said, um, he said, when I breathe in, I am everything. And when I breathe out, I am nothing. And between those two, my life turns. And that's the way it is, I think, for you, is it not? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I can hear it. What is the purpose of the human experience or the human existence? 
uh, of body, mind, and soul? This is my main question. But then before you answer that question, if you can, explain to me with words, really hard to do, but um, what is the mind, what is the body, and what is the soul, quotes and quotes? Well, there, the, the mind, let me ask it backwards, which is, can you show me a mind devoid of thought? Mm, no, of course not. There's only, there's, there's, there's no mind, or we could say there's only one mind, but it's actually that mind is, mind is a construct. It's just something, when thoughts crowd, thoughts arise, you notice that. Thoughts arise, and they arise uh, haphazardly. They just arise. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. You know, if I could control my thoughts, then. Um, well, actually, I am happy pretty much all the time. But if, <laughs> if I had controlled my thoughts, I would have been happy instead of miserable. But I couldn't control them, and I still can't. But what I can tell you is that this so-called mind that generates these thoughts, notice that there's no Valeria and there's no Fred. So there's no, there's, so these thoughts that arise, they're not Valerius and they're not Fred's. They're just thoughts in the same way. And, but we, we think there's something central. Mind is just like that hurricane Fred. So we, we think there's something central, but imagine it was a hot day. You and I are walking down the street and it's just rained and, 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 the you know it's beginning to mist and everything the steam is coming up and you would think i was crazy if i looked at you and went hey valeria <laughs> what do you think of my steam and because no one's doing the steam it's just happening it's just conditioning rising to meet conditioning so it's nobody's steam and it's nobody's thoughts there are thoughts that arise but none of them are true so the, what is the body? The, the, body is, is, uh, the body is an illusion just like everything else, but it's a pleasant illusion. I mean, it can be, or it can be very unpleasant if it's dying of cancer. In the end, the body, bodies come yes. and go, but you do not. You, you were never born. You are the unborn. You were never born and you can never die. No possible way. So what happens is that there is, there is an opposite to birth which is called death, but you are life itself and there is no opposite to life. There's no after death experience because you can't die. So we're probably about as far as we can go down that road with the soul. I know nothing of souls. I know nothing of soul. I, 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 I see no soul. I experience no soul. I understand it as a way of speaking. I understand it, and it can be a useful word, and I guess in some, in, but I never use it because it's not true. There's, because it's like it's Valeria's soul, but how is it Valeria's soul when there's no Valeria? And Fred Davis has never incarnated on this planet to begin with. So I think it would be deeply suspicious to think that he could ever reincarnate. <laughs> True. So um, we are talking about the spirit because some people claim to have talked to, you know, their dead um, fathers, mothers, uh, bad people. I will tell you that anything can happen in the dream. Mm. 
Mm, okay. But in order for, for me to talk to my dead dad, there's got to be a me and there's got to be something else. It's, 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 it's duality. And, right. And duality, so, there's no, there are no rules here. Right. It can be any kind of experience within duality. And they can be charming or they can be scary or they can be fascinating. And I think, you know, I deal with people that are, you know, I have clients that are psychic and, or, you know, or have that kind of experience. And, but it's not about this. Well, I've woken up a lot of psychics because it's because what we're talking about mm, wow. is not of in the dream or of the dream. What we're talking about that is that which is prior to the dream. Because you can notice that there's this sense of being here right now. There's a sense of existence, but we cannot find an owner to it. There's no little, there's little, no little Fred inside this body. So true. There's no little, and there's no, and there's no actual soul in this body as I would speak of it. In other words, I would speak of it non-dually. Dualistic terms, you know, there can be souls and devils and everything else. And unconcerned because that's an experience of duality by what is what is prior to all of that. Non-duality experiences duality, but duality cannot experience, cannot actually experience itself because there's nothing to experience it right. but itself right. there's no over there over there right. when you're oneness um so do you would you attempt to answer the question about the purpose of the human yeah. experience the human existence the human the your your life's purpose is whatever you're finding yourself whatever you find yourself doing right now that's your life's purpose what is the meaning behind it whatever meaning you assign to it. Because what I'm telling you is that in a world where it's all illusion, and, and we have to be very careful here because this is a, this is a, this is a, um, like a razor's edge that many people get caught on because they have a non-dual awakening and then, and then they see, oh, it's all empty. There's nothing here. Oh, there's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no... And, 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 and life becomes very dry and units get depressed and all that. But the, the truth is, is that there's just this. See, it's not that, that non-duality is not difficult. It's very, very simple. But the funny thing is, is that everybody that, that the client of mine is a, is a brainiac. I mean, they're all smart. They've got these great big brains, and, and there's a fairly big brain over here. So reading it took 24 hours, 24 years to get around it. <laughs> yeah. But what I do is help people come into, you know, Jesus said that um, if you uh, if you want to enter heaven, you must be as the little children. And that's what this teaching does, is it helps big Smart people get not so smart for a little while so that they don't understand things and they and, and teach them that they can't understand this. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no way to understand it. It just is. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's beyond understanding. It's beyond right or wrong. It's beyond good or bad. It just, there's what is, and see, but we don't spend any time in what is. We spend all our time in our thoughts where we're thinking about what we think about what is. 
It's not what is, it's what we think about what is that we put all of our attention on. And what we think about what is actually isn't. It, what is, it's what isn't. There's just this, if I'm, if I'm a unit and if I'm a, if I'm a body, I call them units, but if I'm a body and I'm out in the yard and it starts to rain and I say, oh, it shouldn't be raining, you are looking, you are looking at an insane unit. <laughs> That's fun, Fred. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Trying to live right. in a world where there is, we come to align ourselves with it and we come to see, now there may be a good relative move there, which is to step on, onto the porch. So now it should be raining, but I shouldn't be being rained on. How do I know <laughs> I'm not being? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So what are thoughts? That's a great uh, that's a great question. And I don't know. They, they just arise. And they they actually they're not they don't they're just what are thoughts? They're illusions, bottom line. Because there is there's no thought that's actually true. See, there was the thought for 24 years that I was gonna get this thing. Somehow I was going to get this non-dual truth. Somehow I was going to wake up. It never happened. Awakeness woke up, but not Fred. Awakeness woke up to the absence of a Fred. Because what you can notice if you go back to your own awakening experience is that since there is no Valeria, which you've already confessed to me, there's no Valeria then there's no possible way that Valeria had a spiritual awakening or a spiritual insight. It can't be because it's an imaginary character. An imaginary character, I mean, when we think about them, how much does one weigh, right? It, it, it doesn't have any weight. It doesn't have any height. It doesn't have any volume. So there's a non, a, 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 it's an imaginary character. And within that conditioning, mental condition, the thoughts that just twirl, then thoughts simply arise. But they don't arise to anyone, and they don't arise from anyone. They simply arise. And the what happens is that these patterns that we talked about earlier, these recognizable repetitive patterns, when these patterns come begin to cooperate with each other, and then what happens is that they is that they project a center. They project a, a, someone at the middle of all of this, but there's no one there. It's the same way that um, I heard a guy one one of the a teacher one time say, "Well, you know, when you go to a restaurant, the uh, you should just tell the people that you need a table for a million, but you only need one chair." And it and it's that million patterns. There's no, there's nothing at the heart of them. There's, there's, but this is not bad news. This is great news. I agree. Because what you can notice is if you don't know what you are and you don't know what's going on, which is my, which is my position, whatever it is that's saying mine, then there is, there's no possible way if we don't know who we are or what's going on that we can that we could know what should be going on here. And in the absence of a story about what should be going here on here, I noticed we're stuck with what is going on here. 
which we just call what is. And the first thing you can notice about what is, is that there's no alternative. It is as it is. It can't be any other way. There's no comparison and there's no alternative. See, the reason they call reality reality is that there's no comparison to reality. <laughs> there is a comparison. Thoughts are full of comparison. They're just thoughts that are, in other words, right now, if two people walked in that room and they looked at that body and one was a friend and one was a stranger, then the one who looked at that body uh, would uh, see a valeria. But when the stranger looked at that body, they wouldn't see a malaria. They'd just see a woman in a chair. So look at this closely. This seems so little. But what we're actually noticing here is that both people can see the body, but only one of them can see the valeria. And the one of them who can't see the valeria can't see the valeria because she didn't bring one with her. In other words, she didn't have an image in the head to compare to. So she's just looking at a woman in a chair. Uh, and and there's, there's nothing to compare with. So what happens? Why is there nothing to compare with? Because you haven't gotten to her yet. You haven't trained her. You haven't gone up and said, hi, I'm Valeria. Now you say it. And when she says it, she graduates from the Valeria School of Identification. So what we come to see is that the Valeria thing and the body thing are actually not the same thing. Because the body is an object. It's an object in our objective world. But the Valeria thing, it's not objective, it's subjective. By which I mean a thought in the head. By which I mean, then that's just a way of speaking. It's not anybody's head. It's just, there's just, there's just thought. But, you know, it's so confusing because... You can't really talk about non-duality from duality because the moment the mouth is opened, whatever you say is an error. So what we're talking about here all day is not actually true, but it's very truth-like. It's very true-ish. It's right. And that and that's as good as we can do. Right. <laughs> and this is the reason that Ramana Maharshi, another famous guru, said that that silence was the best teacher. And I would agree that it is the most accurate teacher, but it's not the most efficient teacher. Yeah. Because most people can't hear me if I'm not talking. This unit. So, and, and who are they hearing when I am talking? They're hearing a whiteness. Because awakeness is using this body. It's a meat puppet. And it uses this body to talk through and to experience. This body is sort of like a virtual helmet. It is that by which that which is prior to the dream can appear to enter the dream and have experience. Because that which is prior to consciousness has no experience. There's no experience prior to consciousness. So it's not like, oh, I mean, I can, what do you remember from, from pre-birth? I mean, if you, it, nothing. What do I remember from deep dreamless sleep last night? Nothing. Because there was no sense of being there. And if there's no sense of being, there cannot be a sense of experience. Yes, true. Um, you mentioned earlier ideal life 
having this life that is close to quotes and quotes perfection, what what would be the ideal yeah. life? So I can tell you what perfection is like, and it's only Fred who would tell you that an imaginary Fred. It's only Fred that would tell you that it's very close to perfection. In other words, Fred still would find some complaint about perfection. So it's and perfection. When I when I said it earlier, I was referring to something relative, which means that the the life experience over here is just is and is perfect. It's just wonderful. I mean, it's because what I am is a whiteness, and when I live, when I can live as a whiteness through a unit, through a body, yet still know myself to be a whiteness, then whatever is going on is perfect. Because what that which is prior to consciousness is hungry for is experience. But it doesn't really care if it's a a really, really great experience or a really, really terrible experience for the unit involved. Either way, it's got its, it's got its experience, which is just joyful when you are that which is, is prior to experience. There's no experience, then there's a sense of being, and out of that sense of being comes the sense, oh, I am. But right out of the womb, there's no sense of I am. There's just am. There's no just aming. There's no I am. Right out of the womb, there's no sense of separation whatsoever. That's all it, that, that comes later. It comes between 18 months and, and, and it starts around there. And it will usually go to two or three years before it's mostly settled in. But, you know, but, but the, the character continues to grow as long as there's a unit. Because, because we're adding stuff to ourselves all the time. Because once I say I am, then I can notice, oh, and I like cake. And I don't like vegetables. So that's what I am. I'm something that likes cake and doesn't like vegetables. And I can see, and out of that, you can build a Fred that, doesn't, that likes cake and doesn't like vegetables. And who has, uh, and who has an, an education, but no wife. Or has a wife, but no education. Or has money, but no respect. Or has lots of respect, but no money. It's opposites in balance. There's... Relativity itself, this experience that you and I are having, the experience that the people who are listening to this are having right now, it is, hello, it's relativity, which means it can't be all good and it can't be all bad. It is, it is the balance, it is that movement between the two. Because as you said, the, if you look at a yin-yang where there's the dot Where's the black dot in the white side of the yin-yang and there's a um, white dot in the, the black side is that within every extremity lives the potential for the other extremity. And that thing is constantly going around. And whatever happens here, it is not going to last. If things are going great for you, great, but don't get too attached because it's not going to last forever. And if things are going poorly for you, don't get me up too upset because it's not going to stay that way forever. Nothing stays forever the same except for you. 
Relativity is an experience of change, but you never change. You are that upon which change occurs, like a movie screen. Um, how do you define spirituality? And how is spirituality different from religion? So, well, I think that someone once told me that religion is sort of like a vaccine against spirituality. <laughs> so, so religion is a set of yeses and nos and do's and don'ts and this is true and this is not true. Spirituality, as I think of it, I don't know anything about general spirituality because it seems to me to just be modified religion. But non-dual uh, spirituality is then that's something that's that's something else entirely. This non-dual experience is just the the ability to tell yourself the truth, which is. I know that I know that there is a sense of being here. I don't know what has it. I'm not even claiming to exist, and I'm not claiming to not exist. Just like Socrates, I don't know. The spiritual, non-dual spirituality, even non-duality, as, as we as it's normally called. I, I don't know what I do. I don't think it's non-duality. I use I say non-duality a lot because it's a marketing term. Because people who practice non-duality seem to be drawn toward what I do. But non-duality, as I see it, is just like the rest of spirituality, except it's the most skillful path there is. But all of spirituality is a path toward awakening. And what I have come to see is that there is no path to awakening. There's just, there's, and there's no awakening later. And there's no one who's going to awaken. You will wake up here, but never there. You wake up here, now, or not at all. And what wakes up is that which you spoke of earlier as sort of a, there's just a presence. When I used to listen to Eckhart Tolle and he would talk about a sense of presence, I was thinking that there was something going on in my room that I could. I didn't know he was talking about my sense of presence. I thought he was talking about some, some divine sense of presence over there. But there's only one divine. Because if you look right now, is that, I mean, I can't speak for you. and We don't have time to go with the full question and answer. But I notice that I don't need the world. I mean, I, I, it's fine. But if you were to take everything away right now, it really wouldn't affect me at all. It would affect all these, the, these illusions, and it would affect all the human beings. And I'm not saying that we go cold on human beings. We don't. Awakening is not a matter of something cold and calculated. It's, something, it's about something that's warm and loving and all-accepting. And it's all loving. It loves it all. But as they say, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. There's no winning. There's no, there's no deserving awakening. This, this thing was a scoundrel most, much of, it, most of its life. I mean, if there was ever anybody who did not deserve to be in a teacher, spiritual teacher's chair, then it's this one. But it doesn't care. It wakes up through whatever conditioning it wants to, and it has a Fred experience, 
and it has a Valeria experience, and they may be terrible at times, but man, it just, just for now, this the life of experience over here now is that just when you think it can't get any better, it does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it leaves me just chop. I mean, there's just nothing here but a wellspring of gratitude. My wife is the same one. Gratitude. That is uh, one of the most wonderful practices that I I know of in this dual uh, world, um, acceptance and gratitude. It's it's a it's a, it's 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 a movement in the right direction, but the well the gratitude that I speak of, and I suspect that you have this as well, is it's not gratitude for this or that or the other. It's just gratitude, and I don't even know where it comes from or why it comes from. I first started noticing it when I got sober. I was a practicing alcoholic for 20 plus years, and I don't know how I got sober in the same way that I don't know how awakening occurred. It just happened, and when it did, I was very, very grateful that I didn't have to drink anymore. And here, I became very, very grateful when I didn't have to think anymore. Yes, that's it. I call it um, liberated joy. Like, I, yeah, I'm like happy for no reason. You're just like, so, yeah. yeah that's not, there's, there's no, right? we can't point to and say I'm happy because of this. I mean, the unit can, like the, 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 the Fred unit gets, um, you know, gets a compliment and the Fred unit will like that. But I mean, and it will just, oh, gee, thanks. But awakeness None of that means anything. None. And it's, and it's, there's no, what there is, is, you know, it's sort of like grace. I, I don't, I, I'm scared of the word grace because it makes it sound like I got grace and you didn't. Or, or somebody, the, we've got, you and I have got and received grace, but those poor bastards out there who can't get it right, they haven't received grace. It's not like that. It just, there's, it's, this thing is available. Awakening is available to every human being at every moment of their entire lives. I have woken up people that were in their 80s who had been spiritual seekers for 50 and even 60 years. One that that one that was a woman, old woman in England who was in her 80s. She had been I mean, she, she had been on the path since she was a teenager. And she never found it and she was depressed and sick and dying or you know she was in her late 80s she knew she was going to die soon and her and her children and introduced her to me and there was awakening and there was some instant gratitude and there wasn't like oh i should have woken up before this is a count i'm gonna die pretty soon there was the recognition that all oh, the units in its 80s but i'm not i'm ageless i'm timeless Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to me when you say things like something in me, like pays attention to that. It's very attuned to uh, other humans when they say, I did this, you know, I, I caused this to happen, the I. So I don't understand that. When you say that, I don't understand because it seems to me like. Right. Well, there's no way to understand it because it's not true. Although it is generally understood by the rest of the world. But once you come here, you can't, well, you can't really understand anything, including the behavior of all of these, um, all of these, there's, 
you are awakeness. There's only awakeness. There's nothing but awakeness. But you, awakeness, can experience two states. And one state you can experience is unconscious awakeness. In other words, you're awakeness, but you just don't know it. And that's what 99.9% of the world is experiencing. But there is, you can also, awakeness, you can also experience yourself consciously, what we call conscious awakeness, which is simply when you know, oh, awakeness becomes awake to itself and recognizes, oh, I see, I thought this body held consciousness, but consciousness holds this body and everything else. There is, there is always a pull for something else and something more. But there's nothing else, and there's nothing more. And actually, there doesn't need to be. This is way more than plenty. That's the reason of all that gratitude. Yes, that's true, Fred. That's it. Like, this is it, and this, this is, is everything. It. That's exactly yeah, this, it. This is it. Right. And it's so great. I don't know. Some people, they find it to be depressing when I talk to them about it. Um, but I, I sort of, I practice what they call it, compassion. Just understanding where yeah. I was one day, and that kind of shocked me <laughs> when I yes. thought, like, oh, my God, I, you know, I don't exist. This, everything's meaningless, really, but I'm just giving meaning to things. And then, but for some people, they're still at that stage. So I kind of um, understand them. I, it's I the same them. way that um, when is that I don't talk to anybody about this. I don't go and tell my neighbors about it. I, My neighbors would just think I'm a kook. And, uh, and they're welcome to think that. They're welcome to think whatever they want because it doesn't, it, it's no effect on me. They're not thinking about me. Right. They're thinking about the Fred unit. And they like it or they don't like it. They think it's too tall or too short or overweight or underweight or whatever. They all have their opinions, but those opinions amount to absolutely nothing. They have no weight. There is just This, which is prior to opinion. It's prior to good. It's prior to bad. Wow. It just is as it is. And we understand. See, when we look at a simple word, like people, we say it is what it is. We are so frightened of that truthful statement that we have turned it into a throwaway uh just a little throwaway thing that we that we just use and we say, oh, well, it is what it is. Well, I'm sick of hearing that. You know, it's but it is mm-hmm. what it is. And we're terrified of it. So we just make it into nothing. But it's really the core truth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I love the mystery. Actually, I want to talk to you about love, love and fear. How do you define love? And is fear the opposite of love or the absence of love? Yeah, okay. That's a great question. What I want, to, what, what you, what I want you to notice is that there's only fear for somebody. It will always be a character's fear. Will be it, it, like the the there's a, there's no Fred over here, but if a bunch of big dogs come running at it, this unit will probably find itself in a tree, right? Because it, there will be biological fear, 
But what we do is we take that that little bit of biological fear, which makes us have the common sense to climb the tree, and we turn it into psychological fear, which is what if those dogs get up this tree, or what if they keep me up here until I die, or what is is anybody going to come? I don't know. I'm better going to be here by myself. We just manufacture all of this these torturous thoughts. And the simple fact is, they're dogs. They chased me up a tree. Now. When they'll lose interest, and I'll climb back down the tree and go home, and that'll be that. Love is all there is. Mm, oh, my God, Fred. Thank you for saying that. Because that's what I've been talking about, writing about, um, but I didn't have the confidence to say that. Um, I really appreciate you saying yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, I say it because it's the truth. Because if you And when we talk about acceptance, as we mentioned earlier— then what you can look at is you can look around and see it's a little late to quarrel with this. It already is. <laughs> when when we, we there's, there's just this and it's already accepted exactly as it is. That's the, that's the, that, that is unconditional love. Everything as it is, is just Fine, it's perfect. We don't have to get it right anymore because it's already right. If I think something's not right, then that's going to be a Fred thought. It's not going to be a full understanding. Yeah. Hmm. About mindfulness and meditation, a lot of people talk about these two practices. Is there a difference? Do you meditate? And what is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Well, this sounds like a like a. I'm trying to avoid the question, and I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. Is that I am meditation. I am that which just sits. In other words, not really sits, but because I don't have a body. But I'm that which that watches, and that's all I ever do. And and, and I'm really and there's no entity there. But in a more practical way, what I, I think meditation is a very skillful practice, and everybody that feels drawn to it should do it and do it as much as they want. I do not. I did a lot of meditation myself, and I mean formal meditation on a cushion, all of that. There's none of that over here now. Hasn't been for years because <clears throat> what I noticed is that every single great experience that I had in meditation, at the end of it, I was always left in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and it never dawned on me that this was it. I thought I had to get to it. And I thought meditation or prayer or something would, would help me get to it, but there's only it. The only practice so so what I'm saying is meditation is good, it calms the mind, it's great for the body. And it will and it can and it can help calm the mind to where it's it is ind can indirectly be beneficial for awakening, but it's not. It's, there's no practice other than direct inquiry that I have ever found that is directly connected. And when we do self-inquiry, when we ask, when we, when we go after the core assumptions that we've always believed and we question those assumptions, and those assumptions are like, I'm this body. And when we go through and we say, well, Really, am I this body? Am, am, am I? Am I really? I mean, isn't there a feeling that there's something larger going on here? Isn't there a sense that there's just some kind of mystery, as you said, that there's some kind of mystery here? And and it's 
we go after the mystery instead of the known. We go into the unknown when we go into inquiry. Who am I? Is there, uh, okay, I'm, I'm thinking it shouldn't be raining. Who is, can I find an owner to that thought? No. How about, I should be more awake than this. I should be clearer than this. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Because every, look at, look at the truth, Valeria. Just tell ourselves the truth. We didn't know nothing about awakening until we woke up. And, but the moment that the, that, that awakening occurred, we assigned these personalities the, the job of being the expert on awakenings. And the, and the first thing to notice is that is the expert on all awakenings is that this awakening here is not going right. <laughs> How interesting. It's like a snowball. I mean, it goes around. Yeah. I feel like it's very um, tricky, the thing about the mind and the thoughts, the mystery of thoughts. We and- have to question those thoughts. That's the deal. That's what inquiry does. Is is you because the default position here is that we as characters, we as 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 the, so it's awakeness through conditioning, that the the default position is to believe thought, because what happens is that when a thought arises, it's actually harmless and it's and it doesn't it has no innate power until we decide oh that's my thought. And once we decide it's my thought, we automatically christen it with tooth crowns, and that is that it is now both true and important. Because other people, I don't know, they'll believe anything, but I only I only think the truth. And although you know that guy over there, he'll think about you know he he um, he could he could think about anything, but I only think important thoughts. So sold on ourselves. So the moment that a thought becomes ours. It, it we're it's we're down the we're down the the we're down the well we're already down the rabbit hole because the first believed thought for every human being every day on this planet every single time is I'm a Fred or I'm a Valeria and once that thought is believed then the next the, then the second believed thought will kick right in which is and this ain't right. <laughs> Yeah, it's very true. This ownership, me, me, me. It's about me. Everything's about me. It's happening to me. It's yeah, and that creates the separation, of course. Yeah, that's it. Sense, right, right. So what creates a sense of separation doesn't. Yes, but the sense of something and the truth of something are not the same thing. I had a sense this morning that it was going to rain very strongly here, but it didn't. So I had a false sense of coming rain, and I used to have a false sense of separation, and I had a false sense that the thoughts that arose were some beings named Fred, some little man over here, that there was really, that there was really something over here that was a Fred, and that it had certain beliefs and challenges, and especially it had lots and lots of difficulties. But it's all just mental dribble, dribble. It's just mental dribble. It's just, it, it's the, oh, we have two choices in life. Well, actually, I mean, we can either believe our thoughts. That's the auto, that's the automated position. That's the default position of human beings is that we can believe thought or number two, we can question it. And we come to question thought. 
then we can come to question all of thought, all assumptions. And through that process, that, that, there is a direct relationship between uh, non-dual inquiry and awakening. And how do I know that? Because I wake up people every day and I do it through non-dual inquiry. And it, and, and, uh, and, and it takes about an hour. It doesn't take 30 years or 20 years. There's no path to it. You just, you, and you'll appreciate this. I know you'll see it. You crop this thing or you don't. But there's no understanding it. You get it or you don't. But there's no no understanding it. Yes, that's true. There's no, no, yeah, explaining, trying to and describe everybody, it. Yeah, everybody that's not awake, that's listening to this thing right now, I can tell you that the, your problem is that you are trying to understand non-duality. And it can't be understood. Have you met anyone, or it happened to you, where you have this feeling, this idea, or the experience of awakening, and then you go back uh, you fall asleep again? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. That's what keeps me in, that's honestly what keeps me in business. <laughs> because it's, it is, the, what happens is the moment after awakening, then ego starts to rebuild. And see, and it will claim that, that Fred had an awakening. But we have already. But but the, but the the realization of realization is that there's no Fred. So there's no again. There's no. It's not like Fred had an awakening. What actually happens? I mean, there's no Fred. That can't possibly happen. So Fred can't get it or lose it. What happens in the moment where there is this, um, where, where where we have this big spiritual insight, where this awakening takes place, that. Fred was always waking, waiting for that to show up in his presence. He was waiting for conscious awakeness to show up in his presence. But conscious awakeness only shows up in Fred's absence. So there was no Fred that, that had an awakening. What happened, what happened actually was that awakeness had a Fred-free moment. That's what awakening is. Right. Wow. That's beautifully said. Yeah. The mind understands intellectually. It's easy to understand that way. Right. Yes. The absence of the who we think we are. Right. Um, coming to my last questions to you. In Buddhism, um, Zen, it's one kind of Buddhism that I was attracted to for many years. And are oh, you too? Yeah, so you will understand that. So they they talk they don't talk about rebirth, reincarnation, anything really. That's this is it. But um, with Tibetan Buddhism, which I got involved for some years, and they they talk a lot about reincarnation, rebirth, mind continuation, all this stuff. So yeah, what's going on there <laughs> with all this? I actually started, when I started the, my spiritual search, it started with Tibetans. Um, and what I can, and, and there is a, um, what is it, Kijong, um, the, the, there is a, a form of Tibetan Buddhism that's, that's clear and non-dual. But all of the, these other things, they're representative. It's, but what I'd be honest with you, I think most of Tibetan Buddhism is confusing because it there it is a path path to awakening. I had um, I had a lunch with two 
a Tibetan Buddhist uh, probably about six, seven years ago. And um, they were had been dear friends of mine when I first started, and it had been 20 years since we had talked because I moved on to other pastures. But when we got together for lunch, the two of them started talking about their experiences with their teachers and stuff. And one of them said, oh, I knew he was awake when I first walked into the room. I could, and it was like, well, what walked into the room was a whiteness. And what you were looking at was a whiteness. There's only the one thing. So it's kind of like religion. And I know that and every Tibetan Buddhist out there is just furious at me right now. And I understand that. And you have your own ways of doing things. And I'm not trying to convert you. But I don't get it. And I know that Ken Wilbur, who is a well-known, was a great Zen guy, went to Tibetan Buddhism. But if you look at it, it's perfect for somebody like that. It's perfect for a brainiac because it's got so much to remember and you got and it's got all the chance to remember and it's got all these gods and goddesses and dekis and all of this stuff and it's just very complex. It's wonderful. There's a, there's a picket hole for everything. But the problem is, is that in most cases, the truth will be lost in all of that um, presentation. The truth is because we don't we don't fail to awaken because it's difficult or because it's out there. It, we fail to awaken because it's simple and it's right here. And these big brains of ours try to make it complicated because that's what big brains do is they solve problems. And I'm sure my big brain is going to solve this problem. <laughs> so we create the problem and then we try to solve them. <laughs> you go. Oh my you God. Go. And, and, and look at what's happening is that a finite brain, a little tiny, just a, a nothing little brain weighs about three pounds, about the size of a, of a, of a good sized rabbit. And it, that little brain actually believes that it can understand everything in the universe outside of it. Now, I'm sorry. I just find a touch of arrogance in that. <laughs> uh, hmm. The finite cannot understand the infinite. And the finite little brain cannot contain the infinite. We cannot hold awakeness in our minds. We can use, our, we can use the tools to behold awakeness. We can behold it, but we can never hold it. The try, when you, as soon as you try to hold it, it's gone. How fantastic. One of the big nights for me in, my, in post-awakening was I had been having experiences on and off, and they were so great and so precious, and I was having all these non-dual experiences, but they kept disappearing, and it was awful. I'd go to sleep, and then I wouldn't be away. And one night... <clears throat> A lot of times they happen at night when the unit was sleepy, which is understandable. And so I was, I was, I was actually, I mean, you'll appreciate this, I think. I was having sort of a love affair with a TV cabinet. It was just like, oh, it was just, a, oh, it's me. And I'm just like, my heart was just breaking over this, but I mean, you know, a piece of furniture. But it wasn't a piece of furniture to me. It was everything. And then... I noticed I was getting sleepy and I thought, and the first thought was, oh no, no, I'm going to go to sleep. And when I wake up, 
it's got to be gone. And some voice came in and said, it's okay. It'll be back. And I relaxed and I went to sleep. And true enough, when I woke up, there was not conscious awakeness. But there was something there that recognized that the way that you get this thing is by not trying. There, can, there will be the appearance of trying by the unit, but you, but as you, if you do all these practices and I've got to read this many books, I got to do all this stuff, you're actually you're paying credence to an imaginary character because Bob's going to make Bob wake up, but Bob can't wake up because there ain't no Bob. It's just an endless cycle. It's an endless circle until it ceases to be endless, and we come face to face with our own true nature. And what we find out is that what is it that comes face to face with our own true nature? True nature comes face to face with true nature. And duality is only created when true true nature hears a rumor and then goes looking for, for true nature. True rumor hears that there's a oneness experience. And it, and it goes, oh, wow, i got to have that experience. I've never had the oneness experience. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. It's a chase in the smoke. It's chasing its tail, isn't it, Valeria? Right. Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the, my last questions to you. Um, if you knew you would lose the body soon um, in the experience um, of this kind of existence, Uh, would you change anything about the way you're living your life? Would you do anything differently? I would save more money because there would still be there would still be a relative concern for my wife and my dogs, and I want to I would want them to be comfortable within relativity. So that's that. In other words, I'm ready, right? I mean, I I'm ready because I haven't been born. I can't die. That's great. The body is going to die, but I can't die. So it happens when it happens, but there's still a deep love for my wife. And I want to make sure that as long as she's having a relative experience, that it's relatively pleasant. <laughs> uh, do you find any comfort? That's beautiful what you said. I really like that answer. Uh, do you find any comfort in a thought that I can't not die? Um, it's not a thought. It's just, there's a, there's a, it's, well, I can only use the word knowing, but it's not really appropriate, but it's, there is ultimate comfort in the recognition rather than recognizing that I can't die. It's perfect to recognize I've not been born and what has not been born cannot die. I am not on this planet. I am not of this planet. I am that which is prior to earth and universe and everything else. And you know that as well as I do. I can't, I mean, we, I, it's, I didn't know, I, gotta, I don't mean to be buttering you up, but I didn't know how awake you would really be when we were to meet. And, and, and I've seen that, you're, that you are indeed quite awake and that you're clear and that you have a, a very good, we can only use the word understanding. And, It has been beautiful to be able to talk and tell the truth without having to 
constantly saying it without constantly having to correct myself so that I'll be a, a dualist human being. Right. Yeah. I appreciate your presence too. Um, when you say I have not been born and I, I cannot die resonates as fear. I feel like it's a comfort thing that a lot of, a lot of us use. Well, I mean, you, and everybody is welcome to think that way that wants because it's, it's true. You can't die. Yeah. But the thing is, is that what's trying to understand that it will never die is a character and the character, Characters come and go. It's a whiteness that never dies. Right. It might be. It's just that I sense fear um, in most of the people around me when they like they talk about life after death and not dying and all this. Sounds very much like the opposite of love. Let me, let me ask you this, a whiteness. How many things are going on? Didn't we decide it was one? Which other people are you talking about? <laughs> mm, right, the illusions, yeah, the illusion of the illusions of one of the one. And oneness is playing every role, and there's nothing wrong with oneness experiencing fear or joy or or pain or uh, uh, or the deepest love there is. It it's or the most joy, excitement. I mean, climb a mountain, swim an ocean, do whatever you want. There's nothing. See, the thing is, is that when we get caught up in the content of experience, then we suddenly know what should be going on here. And I don't know what should be going on here. And as a result of not having a story about what should be going on here, then what is going on here is perfectly fine. There is nothing cold about this message. It's misunderstood when it's not understood by a whiteness. But 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 to but a whiteness to a whiteness. There's, it, 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 there's no misinterpreting this message. There's no other people. There's no people. There's just this, whatever it is. And it is, there is just the dreaming. There is, um, there is this experience of, of Maya. None of it's true. What's really going on here? Nothing. Nothing, nothing has ever happened. Nothing that ever happened. That is wonderful. Nothing has ever happened, nothing's happening, nothing will happen. And that's it. Um, but this, when you went, that's funny because we were using words. When you say, I have not been born and I'm, I'll never die, that could be misunderstood. Right. It can be, it will always be, it will, and, and here's the key it will always be under, misunderstood until the, the, until the listener is awake. There's no way for someone who has not woken up to understand what I'm talking about. When I say that I have never been born and I have this, that, and the it sounds like there's this arrogant guy over here in North Carolina who's really full <laughs> of himself, and it's not that at uh, all. Yeah, I tried to get, like, to talk, to ask you the question about comfort, and you said, no, there's no sense of comfort. It's just what it is. And I love the way you answered about um, taking care of your wife, just thinking about her if you would lose the body. That's great. Here's the mantra to live by, is that really, this is how you were talking about what happens when people wake up and then they lose it or whatever, uh, and they feel like they lost it. But notice that it's only a character that can feel like it had it and felt like it lost it. There's only this. So, so it's... But the mantra that I teach people to live by, and this is going to be misunderstood too, but I got to say it anyway, 
is notice that relativity counts. In many non-dual teachings, relativity doesn't count. Who cares about that? I'm only the vastness. And you'll notice that the vastness is going to start suffering as a human being <laughs> if it holds to that. So everything counts. The way that you and I treat each other counts. The way that the footprint, the carbon footprint we leave on the world counts. How we deal with things in, in day-to-day life. All of that counts. But here is the release from that. Everything counts, but ultimately, and some things are even important, but nothing matters because nothing's ever happened. Nothing ever will. So it counts within relativity, and we're not dissing relativity. There is a relative experience. Whose relative experience is it? It's the divine's relative experience. So if it's a divine experience, I think it's, it's worth paying attention to. So I, we, everything counts, but nothing matters. And it's a way of, it puts, it keeps the juice in life because our job is simply, to, as, as so-called human beings, is simply to live this life to its fullest. That's your, that, that's your purpose, is to live life to its fullest. Because that which you really are wants that juice, wants that experience, wants that, I mean, it's, what could you do what would you do if you could not fail? And that unit can't fail. It can only do what it does. You can, and, and whatever it feels like, fine. It feels like, I mean, there's no, there's no free will, but it feels like it. You know, there's no free will. And how do I know? Because we're, we're trained. We're, we're made to think that. We're programmed to believe that there is free will or there isn't. But the key is, that's not the question, is what is it that, that there that, has, could, that could possibly have free will or not have it? We're always talking about a character when we go that way. Now, we are that which is prior to all characters, prior, even prior to life. You are that from which life arises. You are that love that everything is made of. But you yourself are no thing. And when I say no thing, I don't mean nothing because we know there's something there. But you are no thing in the sense that you are not a noun. You're not a person or a place or a thing. You are that which sees all, but you are that which cannot be seen. You are that which hears all, but you cannot be heard. You are that which knows all, but you cannot be known. What you really are, if you look at it right now, I know you can agree with me that that there's a sense that we are, but whatever it is that we are, it's prior to language. And that's why silence is the best teacher. But it's the most accurate teacher. What I notice is that it seems to need some help in my neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, So my last, last question to you. What are three things about life you know for sure? Uh, I don't know anything about life for sure. That's true. I don't know anything. And that's the thing is to understand is that it's not about learning. This is about unlearning. It's, you don't have to add anything in order to wake up. I help you subtract what isn't true. And when you take away what isn't true, the truth shines by itself. You don't have to learn to do it. Mm. So this is one of the things you know for sure, that we are unlearning here. That it, it is, it is, it, there's the knowing that there's, un, 
to give you an idea, and I'm, I'm not trying to promote them, but I don't care. But three of my books are the first one that really was my kind of breakout book was the book of undoing. And then there was the book of unknowing. And then there was the book of unfailing. Un, un, un. It's taking away because we're always trying to add something. These units come to the spiritual path in order to order order to add something so that I can be even more special than I was before awakening. Oh, I can right. <laughs> and, and, yeah. But it's not a matter of addition. Awakening is a matter of subtraction. And that's what I do is I help people subtract what is not true. Um, it has been, I don't even have words for it. Um, I would say I always have a lot of fun with you. Um, I had a lot of fun, too, spiritual fun. I did, too, because you can't not have fun doing it. Right, right. Yeah, it has been meaningful, I would say. Meaningful. Yeah, there's meaning here. Um, Where can we find more information about you, your books, services, future projects? Easiest thing to do is to go to awakeningclaritynow.com. But you you don't have to remember that. You can Google Fred Davis spirituality and you'll get a million hits. Or you can and you can also find me on YouTube. I've got 235 videos or something like that. And you can find that and they're free. So the, and the books are cheap, and the 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 and the, my site website has hundreds of good articles on it, and that's free. And the YouTube is free. The only thing that costs money is if you want to talk to me, and you talk to me in, on Sundays in Satsang for not a lot of money. But if you want to talk to me privately, that's expensive because something has to support the rest of it and has to support my dear loving wife. Yeah, thank you so much. Fred, for your presence. Thank you very, very much, Blair. It's really been a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'll talk to you soon again. Thank you. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Fred Davis, please visit his website, awakeningclaritynow.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.